Today's talk is called, I Eat My Vegetables in Moderation. <laughs> I don't know where that talk title came from. I really don't. They just come to me and I write them all down and know that on this week, this will be this talk and this will be this talk. And then as we get closer to the talk, I get understanding of why I, I'm doing that. And, I, well, I mean, this, and I'm kind of singing this. Anybody go to extremes? <laughs> somebody said to me earlier, oh, this is my theme song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the reason, the vegetables, and I, and I, I looked it up. I said, can you eat too many vegetables? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. You know, you can do, you can abuse what would be, is considered healthy to the point where it's no longer healthy. We can overpray, we can overstudy, we can overeat uh, the things. I want to read this little article to you. I, I enjoyed it. Yes, it is possible to eat too many vegetables. And the consequences can be really uncomfortable. <laughs> the catch-all mantra, eat better, not less, is often paired with images of voluptuous and vegetable-filled plates. Mm. Great heaps of greens, leaves, and, and cruciferous clusters of fiber-rich foods. You need to add that to your cruciferous clusters. <laughs> uh, practically spill over the sides of their ceramic platters. But is loading up solely on vegetables really such a good idea? No, it is not. In fact, it's a really bad idea. Eating too many vegetables could be just as unhealthy as eating not enough vegetables, just in a different way. All those health bloggers with plates composed solely of veggies and a drizzle of tahini are actually fostering some really unhealthy habits. We all know what happens when you eat too much fat, too much sugar, or too much sodium. The effects ranging from diabetes to heart disease are practically shoved down our throats. Much more so than any of those foods are actually shoved down our throats in the level of excess required to cause those drawbacks. But here's why it's possible to eat too many vegetables. That's like so much fiber. You're supposed to have around 25 grams per day, according to the National uh, Institutes of Health Guidelines. A cup of vegetables, depending of course on the vegetable, contains eight grams on an average. Four cups of vegetables already put you over the bar. To give you some reference, the average small bowl holds about three to four cups. A large plateful is absolutely already more than your daily value. That being said, it's okay to eat more than your recommended daily value of fiber. Uh, the NIH guideline represents an ideal intake, not a maximum. And many people eat more than 25 grams of fiber a day without experiencing any consequences. The trouble happens when you far exceed the amount your stomach can handle. An uncomfortable experience that can result in digestive distress, gas, bloating, and severe constipation. It can also cause nutrient deficiencies when your stomach is so preoccupied trying to process all those plants, it doesn't have any capacity to absorb the other nutrients you're eating. Hence, deficiency. Too many vegetables could actually make your other foods less healthy. There's a point to all this since there's spirituality. Um, but I still want to finish this. You didn't hear this in your childhood church, did you? Your priest didn't talk about gas and digestive issues. So here's the next issue. Your skin can turn orange. Like you hit the tanning bed and it went so wrong. Many vegetables contain 
Carotenoids, a compound found in orange plants that can be immensely helpful for the health of your eyesight. However, in excess, the compound gets circulated through your blood and can end up showing on your skin. The discoloration is only temporary and it's not actually harmful, it's just awkward. <laughs> There's a threshold beyond which vegetables are no longer good for you. Your body can only process so much of the same nutrient at one time. Just like eating too many multivitamins doesn't in infinitely fill you with nutrients. Neither does eating too many vegetables. Where's the sweet spot? How ironic. According to results from a recent study, three to four servings of vegetables was deemed ideal. Any more than that and the longevity benefits dissipated. You trick your brain into thinking you're full when you need to eat more. Since so your stomach will be filled to the brim with stems and leaves, you won't have much room for the other types of foods you need to stay healthy. Without even realizing it, you could end up under eating some key nutrients, such as protein, fats, and carbohydrates, all of which are kind of a big deal. We could all stand to think about the bias we have in favor vegetable, excuse me, we could all stand to think about the bias we have in favor vegetables over all other food. I think it's supposed to be in favoring. Uh, why is it that eating too many vegetables, a dietary habit with just as many health drawbacks as too much of any other food is never shamed or looked down upon, but eating too much meat, dairy, or carbohydrates is? Can you imagine if you were shamed for eating vegetables? <laughs> like candy bars. <laughs> and, but so I, 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 I took this to heart and realized, oh, even the healthy of us can uh, do ourselves harm. Our intentions are right a lot of times. Now, in our spirituality, in our spiritual studies, we can overdo to the point where our mind cannot process what the, the information. If we're reading too many different authors, now, oh, I'm reading this book by this book, now I'm going to Richard, Richard Rohr, and I'm reading uh, Richard Lynch, and I'm reading Myrtle Fillmore, and I'm reading Wayne Dyer, and I'm, oh, you have to read all these books. But the problem is, you're feeding the intellect, but not the spirit. At a certain point, how can you possibly process all those various ways of going toward the same thing. Because aren't all these writers seeking to help us find our way to the present moment in spirit? To the present moment. You know, there are people who can uh, pray all day long. I, I remember when I, I was in the interfaith seminary and we had a, a teacher speak on, what was it? He had be, he'd gone to India, one of those people went to India in the 70s and stayed 20 years, and he became a... Uh, Ram Dass. No, it wasn't him. Uh, what are those people called? Shamans. Shaman. Thank you. Thank you very much. And he was explaining to us, because he was back in America at this point for several <laughs> years, but he said he could pray for seven or eight hours at a time. He could sit and meditate and be zendelt. And he said, however, he had not one tool for practical living. He didn't know how to socialize. He didn't know how to. And as soon as he got back to America, he met a woman who got her pregnant. That was not his plan. 
was not the plan. I'm not here to criticize that, you know, divine order at work. But it was a, it was just confusing to him. I, I'm so spiritual. I'm so this. And suddenly you're just not paying attention in life. I've had other friends who, who overpray. Oh, and, but unfortunately, they often don't pray in affirmation. They pray in begging. Oh, please, God, give me this. Oh, please, God, I'm willing to do this. Oh, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God. And so they're actually not connecting with spirit at all. And then, and then they, so then they start picking up their books and they pick up the Wayne Dyer book and then they pick up the Eckhart Tolle with Power of Now. And then they pick up this one. They pick up this one. And they're, they've got a stack of books by their bedside that they're reading a little bit of every day. Plus they're journaling. Plus they are, but you know, going on retreats. And they're they're doing all this stuff, and and yet they still can't seem to get their life together. There's still a piece missing, or maybe a lot of pieces missing. They they still don't believe in a higher power. They're trying to. They're pursuing through all these books to find a higher power, but they're still making themselves their own higher power, and they're not up to the job. I know when I have done that in the past, when I have become my own higher power, I have a faulty higher power because I'm a people. And as soon as you get people involved, there, there's problems. And, and so that's what I, say. I used to say to newcomers who would come into the Unity Seminary and what have you, and I, and I would say, you know, it, it, the, the, the program is faulty, and here's why. It's run by people. <laughs> And it's just any organization, any business, there, there are flaws to it because it's run by people. And people, people unto themselves are flawed, especially if they have no grounded higher power within themselves. They have no place to go spiritually except to beg. I mean, even my teachers, I won't name them by names because I... Uh, or on video and stuff, but they have issues. And I had to be okay with that. I had to become okay that my, my teachers are flawed because they're people. I had to let them teach me. That's what I needed from them. I needed them to pass along their spiritual wisdom. I would hope that they could pass along through example, but in some ways uh, their example is, oh, you can believe all this stuff, you can have all the information, you can seek to practice it, and still you got your foibles. And then when I became a teacher, I was filled with foibles. If somebody wants me to be, to, to be the perf perfection of this teaching and action, you either already have been disappointed by me on several occasions, or you're about to be. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, you will. Uh, and it's, it doesn't make me bad. I, I had to learn about my teacher, teachers, and I had to use them in moderation. I have to use my teachings. I have to use the, the books. I have to use the teachings. You know, I uh, I read Myrtle Fillmore, and it's wonderful. Myrtle Fillmore, if you don't know, is the 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 co-founder of the Unity Movement, and her her teachings are excellent. And she even talks about her foibles to a degree and how she overcame a lot of them. And uh, 
But I don't know Myrtle Fillmore. When I speak about her, sometimes I speak as if I was in the room with her uh, when these things happen, but I wasn't. But her teachings work when applied. I don't know if they work for her every single day. I know and I believe that if I applied them, they would work for me every single day. But if I'm trying to do what Myrtle did, and I'm trying to do what Wayne Dyer did, and I'm trying to do the Conversations with God book, and I'm trying, I can't remember his name, I'm trying to do all these different things all at the same time. It would be like making a stew. And in the stew, you put chicken and pork and hot dogs <laughs> and beets and rutabagas and cabbage and uh and snickers bars <laughs> all into this stew because uh, i like snickers bars anybody <laughs> they should be delicious in with all that other stuff shouldn't they should they just be fantastic snickerdoodles whatever just throw it all in the pot and uh and, and then i eat it and it it doesn't sit as well as it would have as I ate a single one of those things. You know, rarely do I have a steak and a hot dog. I like both. I really try to eat both in moderation. There was a time I did not, but I really do try to because I don't feel great anymore when I, when I overeat that kind of stuff. And I don't feel great when I'm working too hard to apply spiritual principle. See, spiritual principle isn't supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be drudgery. Health is not supposed to be hard. Prosperity isn't supposed to be hard. Harmony isn't supposed to be hard. It's all available in spirits. So it seems to me what we need to bring to the, the table is an assumption that we are loved, that all beings are loved. Imagine if you brought to your prayer time, just an assumption, all beings are loved, so I don't have to pray for them all. All beings are loved. I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday and he was telling me that he, he, he some days he, he goes through a lot of guilt and he hears the voice that tells him he's a failure and he's never going to get ahead. And any place he has succeeded has just been luck. And I said, let me tell you something. That voice that you're speaking of, that's not the God of your understanding, I assuming. I know when I hear that voice, I know right away, that's not my God. That's something else. But that is not my God. My God loves me. And my God speaks to me in love. My God speaks to me not in empty praise, but tells me the truth about myself and even tells me the truth about the people I don't like. And oh, that irks me, that part. Boy, it bugs me when I'm told that the people I don't like are good. Those people. And then I feel such a sense of relief. It's like, oh, yeah, thank goodness. The ones I don't like are, are loved, too. So the part of me that doesn't like them is just temporary. I'm not going to stick with that one. I know that will 
fade away and I will allow myself to love them because my God loves me. My God loves you. My God loves them. And so when that voice, that voice that rarely speaks to us in moderation, that tells us we're failures, that we're unlovable, that voice that says we have not succeeded and never will, or that voice that says you're a mistake. Not only have you made a mistake, you are a mistake. That's not your God. That's something you made up. That's something you decided to agree, agree with another human being on. Remember, flawed people. My God does not speak to me that way. And if you think it is your God speaking to you from on high that you are somehow flawed, you're wrong. Let me tell you flat out, Reverend Sean said from the pulpit, you're wrong. <laughs> now, which are you going to believe? That mean old voice? Or the flawed Reverend Sean that speaks from the pulpit? <laughs> which, you, which do you want to believe? That you are loved with an everlasting love, and therefore you don't have to work so hard? You know, none of us have to work so hard on our body. None of us have to work so hard on our relationships. None of us have to work so hard because our God doesn't need us to work hard. We just need to show up and get still. Be still and know. That's the instruction. It's very simple, isn't it? Very simple instruction. Be still and know. I printed out some things because I could not possibly memorize all this from Proverbs. Chapter 15 of Proverbs says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Well, there we go. That's, isn't that simple? It's so simple. We must rem remember the simplicity of everything. A, harsh, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I like that one a lot. The eyes of the Lord, or the eyes of the law, you could put, are, or even the eyes of love, are in every place, keeping watch on both the evil and the good. What is the evil? Those are the ones I don't like, that are still loved by God. Whatever God is, they are loved by that. So I don't have to punish them or wish they would get their just rewards. Spirit will take care of that, and they will not be punished. They will be given every opportunity to love and be loved. How do I know this? Because I'm one of the people who hasn't been liked by people. I'm one of the ones who has not been in favor in this world by some people. Fools they are, but nevertheless. Uh, uh, I'm one of the ones who wasn't even in favor with myself. And then one day I woke up and realized I was loved. I had wise teachers. I had generous teachers who told me, Sean, you're loved. You just don't know it. 
Don't confuse money with love. Don't confuse your body with love. Don't confuse relationships and the way people look at you with love. You just are loved because you can't not be loved. So do your best to love yourself, acknowledge your oneness with God, and then see about your oneness with everybody else. Begin working on that. And that's what I began to do. And things began to get simpler and easier. Because my investment in pain wasn't paying off. My investment in shame wasn't paying off. My investment in poverty wasn't paying off. My investment in poor health wasn't paying off. I paid attention and said, okay, let's try this. And one of my techniques, and I've said it so many times, is I began to look in the mirror in the morning and say, hi, God. I just looked at the reflection and I had to smile every time I said it. I looked in the mirror and said, hi, God. Because what are you gonna do for hi, God? No, I didn't, I wouldn't do that. And I normally, oh God, you have blemish here and you have blemish here. I didn't, I didn't find any flaws when I said hi, God. When I acknowledged God in the mirror, I couldn't find anything wrong with me. Not even my hair. And even today, I, I look in the mirror and I, I, I don't see a, an overweight person, I see a God being. And uh, that will get me through my day much more simply, much more effectively. And, uh, and I'll begin to attract people to mirror that in me. You know, one of, four of the things that we've attracted to make me kinder and gentler are our kitties. Those cats have taught me things. And it was our breeder who said to us when we got the first one, we got Gabriel. He said, Sean, they just want to please you. That's all. Uh, so often we think of cats as the enemy. We hear it. They think David's dad was like this. He's thinking that I don't want him to get into that plant. And so he's going to get into that plant. That cat couldn't care less what I think. <laughs> that cat is not thinking about what I'm thinking. And so when, I, when Mark, our breeder, Mark, said, they just want to please you, Sean. And I took that to heart. You know, I, I be as a child, I listened. He, he's the cat expert. They just want to please you, Sean. So one day early on with Gabriel, I, I, I don't know if I swore at him or around him. I think he was trying to get to the basement and I didn't want him down there. And I swore, don't get back. And, and he avoided me for two days. And then I picked him up. And I sat on a chair in the morning. And I looked at him and held him. And I said, Gabriel, I need you to teach me how to love you because that was far more important than any superiority I had. I wanted to live in a house with love. And he and I have gotten along just fine ever since. And so I assume that with all the other kitties. They just want to love me. Gwendolyn doesn't like to be petted over her whole body. She can take the chin and the head, but the rest of it she doesn't like. So why should I torch her into having to be her back petted or her stomach? She doesn't like it, don't do it. And so I respect that because I just want to please her too. She just wants to love. She's not out to get us. Cooper, oh, <laughs> yeah, I've told this story before, but when we first got him, 
one more Saturday morning, I heard a crash downstairs, like six o'clock in the morning. I heard a crash in the living room. I thought, oh no. And I went out, and for some reason I had a vase up on this shelf here and a vase on the floor. It was not a decorating choice. It was just, that's where they were. And he knocked the one off there and it went down onto the other. And David heard this from upstairs. Oh, Cooper, are you all right? Because <laughs> David knew if he had made that crash, I'd have used different words. I would have been, oh, David, are you okay? Are you all right? And I was like, <sighs> but I, I didn't have to be mad at them. I wasn't my mother with the cat as me as a child breaking something. I became the adult. And the kitty broke a couple of vases. Believe me, I've got vases to spare. <laughs> and so to, to look at that, oh, and now we have this new one, Dudley. <laughs> Dudley, who's coming out, and he's starting to play, and Gabriel chasing each other. But he's got to adjust to his new home and his new environment and new people and new voices. And But he wants to love us. It's very clear. He comes up in the bed, and he cuddles with me now. And... Uh, but I give him space. Now I'll pick him up because that's important to me. But as soon as he wants down, I set him down. But I set him down gently and then pet him. So he realizes I'm not kidnapping him again. And we, if we would learn to do that with each other, you know, to love each other in moderation so that we're not taking each other hostage, to realize we all just want to please each other. They're not just a mass of people who want to be pleased. We want to please each other as we are being pleased so that we can walk through our day assured that we are loved. Now, do you think this is possible? Do you think you could live your life assured that you are loved? That you are loved with your body or within your body. That you are loved within your money. That you are loved within your relationships. That you are loved within the weather. That you are loved within the legal system. That you are loved by the very pavement you walk upon. And it's not just that you are loved like in a narcissistic way. You are in love. Everywhere we walk, we are in love. Love, so that we can finally get to love everywhere we think. We are actually in love. There's nowhere we could be that love is not. Do you think it's possible to live like that? It's, well, you do. Let me trust to tell you what you do. And how do I know why? Because you're up here at 1030 on a Sunday morning. You guys signed on today. 10.30 on a Sunday morning. You wouldn't bother to be here if you didn't know you live in love. You may not have had the words to put through it, to it before today, but you know that not only you are in love, but it's completely possible to live like that all the time. I'm up here because I know it's possible. I don't live like that all the time. I forget. And so I keep coming back. Yeah, it's my job. But I keep coming back because my job reminds me of what is completely possible.
So let's contemplate that. And we have a special soloist today, and his name is Steve Bustamante. Yeah. 